Good morning, International Church of Prague. Today is going to be an amazing day together as we examine God's Word, as we worship together, and as we connect. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Um, if we were gathering together at Perukova, where we normally gather on a Sunday morning, there would be so many conversations going back and forth in the foyers and in the sanctuary, especially before the service started. Let me encourage you to go ahead and use the comment section there and interact. Say hello to somebody that you're, that you're missing, that you want to check up on. Use that vehicle to be able to, to communicate together, just as if we were having a conversation, listening to the message or worshiping together, sitting right next to one another. We need that connection with each other. With the quarantine in effect, most of us are spending more time than perhaps we ever have before on social media. It's the only way to connect together. Social media has been around for a long time and probably right at the forefront of what we think of when we think of social media is Facebook. Now the idea behind Facebook when it first began was to be able to take pictures of things that were close to your heart and to your life and be able to share them with other people so that you could share insights about who you were and the things you cared about. Now over time, Facebook is, has changed and, and there's a lot more that happens on it, including things like a church service and also you know, political things, opinions, recipes, all kinds of different aspects are shared over Facebook. But its original idea was to help us know one another. Did you know that in reality, that's a large part of God's design in His Word? Is He wants you and I to be able to know Him, to see what He's like, to understand His character and His heart. The Bible tells us beautifully that Jesus came to show us what God was like, to show us specifically the Father. Well, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to begin a series that's called Face to Face. Right now, we can't meet face to face um, because of the, the isolation that we're under in the order. But there are um, accounts of Jesus meeting with individuals face to face that are absolutely amazing in the scripture. And my hope is as we examine some of those face to face encounters with Jesus, that we will have a fresh encounter with him as well. But I thought before we jump into one of those encounters, maybe we could take a look at what Jesus might put on his profile page. You know, when you have your Facebook page, your Instagram page, you've got that information there that tells what you're about, the, who you are, the things that you like, the things that are near to you, the kind of music you enjoy. Well, I believe Jesus, to a large degree, if we were able to, to see um, a profile page of what's closest to his heart, what he would highlight more than anything else is the Father. He came to show us the Father. Let's take a look at that here in the scriptures because it's absolutely incredible. John chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says this, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus' purpose was to show us the Father. And in the context, when we read it here in John chapter 1, the, 
the way that he came to show us the Father was to show us the Father's grace and the Father's truth. Those two things work together as a balance to help us have a right view and understanding of God, to make sure that we're not erring on one side or another when it comes to understanding who God is, because God is both holy and God is loving. And so we want to make sure that we have an accurate view of God. And the best way to do that is to examine Jesus' life, what He says, what He does, how He loves, how He reaches out, how He cares, the things that are important to Him. All those aspects and attributes that we see in Jesus show us what God the Father is like because Jesus is God. They're united together as one. I believe the most significant encounter that we can see in all of the Scripture of Jesus is to see how He relates to the Father because He's inviting you and I into that relationship, into the union and love that they have as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So through Jesus, you and I can encounter what the Father is like. Now, for some of us, that may be a little bit difficult. Our idea or our experience with an earthly father may not have been a good experience. But my hope is, as we look at how Jesus presents the Heavenly Father, that we will be able to set aside misconceptions that we may have about what a father is like that's been projected onto God and have an accurate view of Him. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Now think about that for a moment. What you and I think about God is not nearly as important as what Jesus says about God. Because chances are you and I have a distorted picture of what God is like. So what I'm praying we will do is that the Holy Spirit will illuminate His Word and that Jesus will show us an accurate, beautiful, wonderful picture of God the Father. Would you join with me in prayer right now? Dear Lord, thank You that You've chosen to be a God who reveals Himself to Your people. You've given us Your Word so that we may know You. More important than that, You've given us Your Son so that we can see you and experience you, to know who you truly are and come into a relationship with you. Lord, thank you for willingly sacrificing the most intimate and special relationship that you had in all the universe, the love between a father and a son. You were willing to sacrifice that to adopt us as your children. Lord, I pray that that truth will sink deep into our hearts and minds and change us and change our view of who you are. Lord, I pray that today you would take us to the optometrist, that you would put in corrective lenses into, into our vision of who you are so that we can accurately see you in clarity, in focus, to see the depth and beauty of your greatness. So Lord, I pray that you'll enable me to get out of the way and that you'll speak through your word and through your Holy Spirit so that we may see who you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen.
When Jesus was with his disciples, he talked about the Father a lot. Now, now let me try to explain to you how significant what Jesus does in the New Testament is. In all of the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father only six times. Just six in all those different books. But Jesus refers to God as Father over 200 times in the Gospels alone. You see, He came to show us what the Father was like. Listen to this conversation that Jesus has with His disciples, specifically with Philip, in John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to Him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? See, Jesus came so that we could understand what God is truly like. In fact, the scriptures reveal that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 1 verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus gives us an accurate view of God. What you think about Him, what I think about Him, is going to be distorted by our experiences. But what Jesus reveals is accurate. So I'm praying God will make those adjustments. Just like when when you're at the optometrist and they turn those lenses over one by one and you're trying to get a clearer and clearer focus, that's what Jesus is doing in presenting a view of God. Now the truth is, the reason this is so important is psychologists would say that within every person there is a father hunger. There's a desire to have a relationship with a father. Now, we certainly have relationships and desires within us to have a relationship with our mother, with our brothers and our sisters. All those are incredibly important. But there's something specific about our relationship with a father that speaks to two things that are deep inside of who we are. They speak, first of all, to our understanding of our own identity, and secondly, to our security. God desires to be a father to you, a real father. No matter what experience you had with your human father, God desires to be a heavenly father that you can call out Abba, which means daddy. The most beautiful things that you see in Jesus is he teaches us to call God Abba, which the English translation is daddy. Have you ever called out in in prayer to Abba, to Daddy, when you're speaking to the Lord? That intimacy that's there, that security, that closeness is absolutely beautiful. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. This is what God is speaking to us. He says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Everything that God has for you and I in a relationship is wrapped up in that word, Father. So what does Jesus tell us about the Father? The first thing I I think 
we need to know is that Jesus reveals that God is a passionate father. He's not a distant father. He's not a disconnected father who's too busy doing other things. He's a father who's passionate about you. 1 Peter 5 puts it this way. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Do you believe God the Father really cares about you? And if so, how is that impacting your prayer life? Do you believe that He's really interested in the details, in the struggles, in in the hurts that you have, the insecurities? The scripture says he is, he cares for you. In fact, he says in Isaiah that you are precious in my sight, that I love you and I've called you by name. God cares for you passionately. Jesus not only reveals that that God is a passionate father, he reveals that he is a perfect father, absolutely perfect in every way. In fact, he admonishes those who put their trust in him as Savior and Lord with these words. He says, you, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And he says that in the context of how we love one another, that our love is to mature, to look more and more like the love of the Father, which is filled with incredible, incredible grace. Human fathers, no matter how hard they try, are going to mess up. I know personally, I can think of so many ways that I've failed and continue to fail as a father. But we have a heavenly father that is absolutely perfect. He doesn't stumble. He doesn't mess up. He shows us perfect, pure love. And the more we get to know him, the more secure your heart will be and the deeper your understanding of who you are in Christ will become. Jesus tells us this in Luke 11, beginning in verse 9. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to him it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love what Jesus does there because he moves from from those practical, physical needs for food, for shelter, that we often focus on to a much deeper need. What you and I need more than anything else is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we seek the Lord and ask the Lord and ask for the very thing He is most desirous to give us, the Holy Spirit, He will fill us. He'll meet us right where we are. He may, in the process, as you're asking, as you're seeking, as you're knocking, He oftentimes will reveal areas of sin in your own life. Areas where you've not been trusting. I've not been trusting the Lord. And what He calls us to do is to confess that before Him. To to confess and say that it's sin. That it's an affront to God as Father. And instead, as we place that and confess it, 
we recognize that Jesus has cleansed us of our sin, that we're forgiven, and then we ask, Lord, in giving praise and thanksgiving to what He's given us through Christ, we ask that He fill us with His Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can conform us more into the image of who He's called us to be, which is to be like Jesus. Our Father gives good gifts to us. He has the very best in mind for you. You may feel like the plans that you have for your life, the course that you set, has come to a screeching halt and you have no idea where it's going to go. Let me encourage you. God's plan for you and for me is better than anything you or I have imagined. He just calls us to trust Him. Well, fourthly, Jesus reveals that God is a pleased Father. He enjoys you. He enjoys me. We, we have the privilege right now of um, spending time with uh, some of our family. Um, we've gotten to see our, our, three of our, our three sons and some of our grandchildren, and there's a joy in just being with them that um, is indescribable. Nothing else really measures up to that. And it's not because they're doing incredible monumental things, even though they are, they're amazing and wonderful. There's just a joy of being in their presence. God feels that way about us. That's why He, he urges us to spend time with Him, to be with Him in prayer, to read His Word, and, and to, to think upon His thoughts. It's incredible that God wants to spend time with us. He does so because He enjoys us. He created you and I, He loves you and I, and He even likes us, which is absolutely amazing. Jesus puts it this way in John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I want you to think about that. God's love for Jesus the Son is absolutely perfect because Jesus was completely sinless. He never did anything wrong. All he did was please the Father. And yet Jesus says, I love you. God loves you with the same kind of love, the same beauty and purity in love the Father has and Jesus has for you and I. He then invites us and he says, abide in my love. It means you need to live there. You need to immerse yourself in that truth. And then he goes on to say, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And what that means is the evidence that we truly love the Lord is that we want to do what is honoring and pleasing to Him. The evidence that Jesus truly loved the Father was that He spent His life doing the Father's will. It's what drove Him in everything that He did, including going to the cross. He went to the cross in fulfillment of the Father's will. Yes, He went to the cross to rescue you and I, but He did it to please and glorify the Father. When we love God, the most natural thing for us to do is to want to honor Him and obey Him. It's not a duty. It's not a difficult thing. It is an incredible joy because as we do that, the Lord draws us closer and closer in intimacy with Himself. And that is where life and joy 
is most found. One last point, and it's, it's perhaps the most significant. Jesus came to show us that God is a prodigal father. Now that may be a little bit surprising because usually when we think of prodigal, we think of it in a negative term. What prodigal means is it means one who lavishes, who who wastes resources on something. In the Gospels, in Luke chapter 15, we have the story that's often called um, the story of the prodigal son. And it certainly is about the son who went away and squandered all that he'd been given. But it's a story even more about God the Father and how he was willing to lavish on his children whatever it took to restore them to a relationship with him. Let's listen to the scripture. Luke 15. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This story is absolutely incredible because it's a picture of God's love for us. Did you notice in the story how the father was already looking for the son? The son had gone away, but the indication of the story that Jesus tells here in the narrative is that the father regularly was looking for the son. 
He was anticipating. He was waiting for the sun. And when he saw the sun, he did something that in that culture would have been very undignified. He would have taken his robe and lifted it up and tucked it into his belt and he ran. Additionally, he, he told his servants and gave instructions to them to bring things because he saw that his, his son's clothes were worn out. He didn't have shoes anymore and that he was destitute. And yet out of love, the father ran towards the son and ran to bring him beautiful, wonderful symbols of his position as son. You see, that was what was so beautiful, is that the son comes back and says, I'm not worthy to be in your family. I would be satisfied if you let me be your servant, let me be your slave. But the father said, no, you're my son. And I want to celebrate because my son who is lost has been found. And in each of the things that we see in that story, it's a picture of the tenderness of God's love and the restoration He wants to bring into each of our lives through Jesus Christ. Each one of those things that He talks to the servants about and instructs them to do has significance and meaning. There are five signs of the Father's welcome. First of all, He gives His Son a kiss. That's the sign of forgiveness. He's not just welcoming him. Because here's the thing. When the son asked for his inheritance, everyone in their village, in the community that they lived, would have seen how the son brought shame to the father. Because in order to give his son that inheritance, he had to have an auction. He had to sell his property off in order to give the portion of it to the younger son. And so everyone in the town would have seen how the son shamed the father. And yet, how does the father respond when the son returns? He runs to him, he embraces him, and he gives him a kiss of welcome that is a sign of forgiveness, that the relationship has been, has been restored. He's forgiven what has happened in the past, and they're beginning anew. That's what happens when we come to, to God through Christ as well. He takes our sin and it nails it to the cross of Jesus and forgives us and welcomes us with a kiss of forgiveness. It's what we celebrate when we celebrate communion together. It's remembering the forgiveness of our Lord and how He's welcomed us back. The second sign that we see there is the robe. He instructs the servants to bring out the best robe for His Son. And it is a sign of honor. It's a reminder that when we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, He clothes us with His righteousness. The idea there is that the best robe in all of the universe, the robe that represents the holiness of Christ, has been placed on your shoulders and my shoulders. That's what the Father does. When He clothes us in the best, it is the righteousness of Christ. It is an honor that it's given to us that we do not deserve in any way. We celebrate that in communion as well as we partake of the cup that represents Jesus' blood being poured out for our forgiveness. It also represents being clothed in His righteousness. Thirdly, He gives a ring. And the ring is a sign of authority. 
He's recognizing that the son still has work to do. Yes, he had shamed the father, but he's now been restored and God is placing him back into a position where he is going to be able to use the gifts and the abilities and the opportunities that he has under the authority of the father to accomplish the father's work. That's what we've been invited to do as well. We've been given a ring of Jesus' authority. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You see, he's invited us into his work as his sons and his daughters. The fourth sign that we see in that story is the sandals, and it's a sign of freedom. You see, the son had lost his shoes. His feet had been, become calloused and they were dirty and filthy. But the sandals that are brought to him represents how he has now been given the freedom to go and to do all that the father plans for him, all that the father desires for him. We have a freedom in Christ. We have been saved by grace through faith. And he encourages us to use our life, to use our gifts, to freely find ways to show honor to him. We're not to use our freedom to sin, but we're to use a freedom that we've been given to show the greatness and goodness of the Father. That's what Jesus is pointing out in the story. And there's one more sign. The last sign is the feast. It is a sign of a joyful welcome. The scripture tells us likewise that there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner turns and comes to the Lord. God celebrates the return of his children because he loves us so very much. Feasting together, celebrating together, that's what God wants us to do. That's the kind of relationship that he wants us to have. And in fact, the first event that we see when Jesus returns and the church is gathered together, all of the saints from the Old Testament and the New Testament, the thing that we see that happens first is a feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, a celebration of our life in Christ, of our union with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as the bride of Christ. And it's incredibly, incredibly beautiful. When you see it from that viewpoint, you see that the Father is the one who is prodigal. The Father is the one who has extravagantly lavished His love on you and on me. Not because we deserve it, but because He desires us. If you've never come to Christ, if you've never come to the Father because you thought God was distant, He was angry with you, Yes, God judges sin. We need to understand He is holy. But when we humble ourselves and, say, and call upon the name of Jesus, He welcomes us in the same way that the Father here in Luke 15 welcomed the Son who had rebelled against Him. With all those signs, a kiss of forgiveness, a robe of honor, a ring of authority, sandals of freedom, and a feast of joyful welcome. That's why the scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you have questions about what it means to have a relationship with God personally, would you either put a comment there on on Facebook or YouTube or send us an email? We would love to find a way to come alongside of you and encourage you to try to, to wrestle with you through some of the questions that you may have and help you see from God's Word the plan that He has for you and the provision that He has made for you through Jesus Christ. We would be honored to be able to walk alongside of you. My prayer is that today as we've taken a little glimpse in the scripture of how Jesus reveals the Father, that your vision and your understanding of how God the Father loves you and sees you has been changed. And my prayer is that you will take some of these scriptures, you'll meditate on them, and that the Holy Spirit will bring them to life in you, and that your relationship with God will grow sweeter and far more intimate in the days ahead. God bless you.